What's up, party people? DHP is back and better than ever. Today's guest is Madeline DeBoer, and we had a conversation about anxiety that I think you're going to really find helpful. Madeline was on a panel for the Real Life Gospel event for women on the topic of anxiety, and I really appreciated her transparency and biblical wisdom, uh, both in this conversation that you're going to hear, but as well as at the women's event. Uh, We're hoping to have more conversations on this podcast on anxiety and we'll even release on this podcast uh, Bobby Joe Yarborough's talk that she gave to the women as well as possibly my talk from Philippians 4 so we'll have like a little mini series on anxiety since this is such a huge topic that is being covered both in kind of the secular media and news outlets but as well as I think it's so important that we as believers think about how to think about anxiety as a church and according to God's word. Hope that you find this conversation useful. Madeline DeBoer, welcome to the Disciple Hinson podcast. Thank you. Uh, Madeline, we want you to introduce yourself to us, but do you want me to tell you what I know about you based on your uh, profile and planning center? Sure. <laughs> Miss Madeline Rose DeBoer. I won't give uh, your like phone number and address. <laughs> 27 years old, joined the church in 2014. Mm-hmm. You were baptized on 420, 2014. It's Easter. Was that Easter Sunday? Mm-hmm. Nice. Michael Lawrence was mm-hmm. the pastor. Did he baptize you? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. We know from First Corinthians that's not important, but um, <laughs> what else would you like to say about yourself, Madeline? How would you introduce yourself to us? Um, I think I would say... I was largely raised at Hinson. Um, my family has been going here for a long time, and I was raised in the Portland area as well. So, yeah, I was going to mention that I was baptized and became a member. But um, I, after that was right, it's probably right after I graduated high school. And then... Um, Where'd you go to high school? I went to Clackamas High School. Okay. And then I went to Oregon State University. And I studied animal science. Um, and then I was away for a year in the much north of Wisconsin. <laughs> um, and then I've come back and I've been working as a vet assistant for about four and a half years. Um, but I am looking for a potential change of direction. So if you think of a job or if you know of a job available, hit me up. Just any, any old job will do. Yeah, we can talk about it. (laughs) Okay, good. And today we want to talk about anxiety Mm -hmm. because I heard you uh, speak to this topic at the Real Life Gospel for Women Mm -hmm. um, event. I was just there because I was also sharing some things from God's word. Mm -hmm. You were sharing from God's word, but also from your personal experience with anxiety. You were on a panel with some other members of our church. And I was just so encouraged and helped by what you had to share. That was like a month or so ago now. Um, So do you want to tell us just a little bit about um, your experience with anxiety to start off? Yeah, um, I would say for me, it's been kind of a long, gradual journey, Um, primarily a growing awareness of like that there's something in the way that I experience life, process situations, encounter relationships that's abnormal. Um, And I don't say that and I can sound really negative, but honestly, for me, it's it was an important piece to recognize like 
not everybody, not other people that I talk to experience the same things um, or the same thought patterns or hangups. Um, and I would say that that's probably been a piece of my life for at least since date going back as far as like middle school and high school, um, but then becoming more apparent and I became more comfortable with the term anxiety being applied to myself in high school and college. Well, actually college really. Um, and then there's kind of been a progression. Um, I was officially diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder to basically by a practitioner to refer me to a counselor. Um, so I started account seeing a secular counselor in 2020 and then kind of saw them for a while, plateaued with that conversation and was reconfronted with some things about a year later and then started seeing a biblical counselor about a year ago. Um, and then kind of a newer development in the last probably four years or so since I've been back in Portland, I've experienced a more frequent encounter with um, like panic symptoms. Um, I wouldn't call that what I experienced like a panic disorder that has a particular kind of qualifications, but um, some more physical symptoms that feel outside of my control. And so I actually have pursued a primary practitioner again and started medication for that. Um, so just for instance, I think particular triggers could be things outside of my control, making mistakes, level uh, situations with a degree of uncertainty, um, social anxiety has become a bigger thing in the last four years for me as well. Um, failing people's expectations, whether like real or imagined. Um, yeah. So kind of beyond what, yeah, I just, I, I think about things and have a mind, mind processes that not everyone goes through. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with, yeah. with us. Um, you know, as, as people are listening, they may be really resonating sure. with what you're saying and saying, oh, I, I struggle with those yeah. things as well. Um, and, and maybe I've never put the, the label anxiety or panic on those experiences that I, mm -hmm. that I have. Uh, what have you, uh, what have you learned about anxiety mm -hmm. over the past few years as you have experienced what you've experienced? Yeah, I think a lot. And it's definitely been something that I've continued to unravel inside of myself. Um, and part of that complexity um, is that anxiety really involves our body, our minds, and our spirit or our soul, because we are, God created us to be all of those together. Mm -hmm. um, and so that makes it complex because you have to learn to understand how those interact with each other how they interact with anxiety and how do we particularly care for them um, or myself in each of those aspects. Um, and the other thing that makes anxiety complex and definitely something I've experienced is that um, we were just talking a moment ago, there's a variety of different sources for anxiety mm -hmm. and sometimes they're just clearly one and sometimes it's an entanglement of the multiple ones. We've probably used the phrase weakness, wickedness and woundedness, um, which I think is a particularly helpful framework for thinking about anxiety um but they again they can be entangled and that makes them challenging and then something that i've been working or thinking about and it was told to me by the biblical counselor i was seeing is that 
the goal of therapy is not necessarily to be anxiety free, which at first it's like it's a little disappointing no yeah. <laughs> because what like, are you here you, for then <laughs> it's useless no yeah. um but uh from a strictly spiritual i mean to combine the spiritual and the, the kind of scientific psychological there's a pers- the goal is a pursuit of intimacy with christ um and also being equipped with tools to glorify god and be able to actively participate in the life that he's given to us that's that's really helpful um i think talking about these things talking about anxiety is difficult Mm -hmm. just period which is why i'm so thankful that you are willing to have this conversation and so thankful for that you were willing to share with the women at the event a month ago Mm -hmm. um but i think it's even more difficult sometimes to talk about these kinds of things in the church, ironically. Yeah. Um, and I think we often have some misconceptions about, about anxiety, mental illness. We, we, some people in the church can particularly rightly or wrongly, um, think that we kind of over prescribe, um, we, every, every little boy who has a who, who has a lot of energy is ADHD. Right. Right. And um, so would you maybe address what you think are some common misconceptions about anxiety, maybe particularly in the church, because mm-hmm. some people may be thinking, uh, I'm not comfortable with slapping the, the, you know, description of anxiety mm-hmm. on just every time you feel someone feels nervous or, uh, the feeling of anxiousness yeah. that I, that, that I don't, I don't want to be defined by someone who has anxiety as if it's a condition that I'm like stuck with. Yeah. Uh, so those would just be some, some maybe, uh, concerns or things that make it difficult to have this conversation in the church. But I just kind of wanted to hear from your perspective, mm-hmm. what some of the misconceptions that you've encountered are about anxiety and how you've worked through those. Yeah, and I would definitely put in a plug here for going back and listening to the um, the recordings. Are those available to everyone, or are they just sent out to women? We're working okay. on the one <laughs> for the, the, the talk that Bobby Joe gave at the yeah. so that should be released soon. Okay. Yep. Um, so when that's available, listening mm-hmm. to that because mm-hmm. she covers a lot of sh- the intersection between psychology and. F- spirituality Mm. um involved with anxiety and i think that you're kind of hitting on one of the primary misconceptions both in the church and outside the church is which is something i've gone through personally is like what even is the definition of the term because Mm. when i was first thinking about it i was kind of i grew up with a parent who is a mental health professional Mm. and having an understanding of anxiety could be and kind of thinking like oh i don't struggle with it to that extent so that can't apply to me which mm-hmm. lo and behold i did fill those shoes so <laughs> yeah good job <laughs> um but just the challenge of defining terms um mm. and i think the biggest challenge that people might not even realize is that anxiety and it's important to accept that anxiety as a term in the english language has a very broad definition because it is perfectly appropriate to say I'm anxious because I just lost my job and money is tight. 
everyone should feel that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or like difficult things that come out of difficult life situations. Or I just got a poor prognosis. Or I'm going to be public speaking. Or I'm going in for an interview. Those um, come and they pass. And that is anxiety. Mm-hmm. But what kind of, I think, what applies more to my story and I think what the world and our church and everything we're here today kind of talking a little bit more about is more like clinical anxiety Mm. where that um, moves more into a realm of an overwhelming persistent fear of things that um, is essentially disproportionate to the thing that they're afraid of. Mm. So there's some unfounded fear or disproportionate fear for something that um, that a person is experiencing. And that's when you move into the realm. And also it's persistent. So it doesn't just last in one season and it can come and go, but it should just, it often will stay for much longer. That's why I think of it as like a chronic condition. Um, and then that also, I think one of the other things people talk about is it disrupts daily life, which there was a long time where I didn't think like I struggled with it. I accepted the term anxiety. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like to think of like, I couldn't see, oh, that doesn't disrupt daily life. But if you start to evaluate when I was starting to evaluate, there are things that I don't want to go do because of my social anxiety, or there are things that I actively avoid that's disrupting your life. Yeah. So, so that was helpful and difficult, but defining of terms is really important. And it's also okay to know that it falls in many places. So I guess the application from that for me is when you hear someone say, I'm anxious about, or I am anxious, I see myself as an anxious person or something, asking a clarifying question, like, what does that mean for you? Because, and being willing to like dig into that with them, because it might mean that they're just in a tricky situation and they had some anxiousness. or it could mean that it's just the tip of the iceberg and they're kind of giving you a little teeny sneak peek into what's going on behind the curtain. I, I really appreciate that distinction. I'm glad that we're we're, we're defining our terms here. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, if, if for someone who's experiencing kind of an, an anxiety that's debilitating and that is persistent and and as you said, like a, more of a clinical mm-hmm. anxiety. Is that right? Is that yeah. how you, um, you know, they could feel beat over the head uh, by hearing an unnuanced application of Philippians 4, 6. Do mm-hmm. not be anxious about anything. You just, you're sinning. You just need yeah. to stop um, and pray this away. Uh, or if we don't define our terms, you know, I, I was listening to an interview with a theologian, an accomplished like PhD theologian who's written a book on anxiety mm-hmm. just recently. And he, he made the statement that Jesus experienced anxiety, like in the garden Mm. of Gethsemane, Mm -hmm. he was, and, um, you know, I, I had a little bit, I was like, man, if Jesus, Jesus, so Jesus said, don't be anxious. But then this guy is saying that Jesus was anxious. So Mm -hmm. the guy who told us not to be anxious is actually experiencing what he told us not to. But I think what, what we're getting ourselves tied up in knots on in both of those kind of scenarios, um, whether it be Philippians 4, 6 or the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus experiences, we just haven't, we need to go a little deeper in what mm-hmm. we're talking about. Yeah. So I appreciate you underlining that. Yeah. It's almost unfortunate like that we don't have 
separate terms. Like yeah. we almost need a different word. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's good. So any anything though that you would say um, that we though as Christians can maybe adopt a worldly mindset in how we think or talk about anxiety in a way that's not, I'm using worldly the way that sometimes scripture uses worldly, like Mm -hmm. uh, a a bad, a bad way of thinking about this because of the influence of, of uh, the world apart from Christ. Yeah. Um, We were talking about how there's the intersection of body, mind and soul or spirit. And I think that you can definitely, in regards to the spirit, kind of go one way or another. It can be tempting to go get, like, dive deep dive into cognitive behavioral therapy or medication or things like that, and only or eating and exercise and only be addressing your body, um, which will probably help. <laughs> yeah. Um, or to the neglect of the spiritual spiritual mm-hmm. uh, influence that is on anxiety or you could also kind of the classic church's re- church response which thankfully i have not necessarily experienced <laughs> um at Hinson. yeah okay. um is the kind of overemphasis of the spiritual aspect that it's purely faith based and if you mm-hmm. are anxious um then or you're expressing that you're anxious it must be based in some level some lack of faith um, or some sin, mm-hmm. which also can be true, but isn't. There needs to be a balance of kind of putting those things together and addressing both of them and caring or caring for all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was also going to say in regards to the last question with kind of um, misconceptions. misconceptions, like within the church, was, which kind of slides into unhelpful uh, mindsets is just particularly thinking of it in a church community that appearance isn't necessarily everything because I think mm-hmm. I like to equate um, I think you could equate anxiety to a chronic condition or a um, like someone who has a long suffering illness or things like that which obviously there are differences and you need to care for them in unique ways but there's similarities in terms of how someone presents themselves on a Sunday morning or a Bible study or a small group is not going to necessarily tell you what they're, how they're doing. It might be the very peak of their effort. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and for example, they might like appear bright and bubbly at church, but drive home plagued by self-doubt and mm-hmm. criticism. They might say no to like a gathering because they're paralyzed by a bunch of different what ifs that are running through their head that they can't control for. Um, And sometimes I think also people with mental illness or anxiety to whatever degree can talk, can um, on the Sunday morning in particular, I think can kind of stay, it's easy for us to stay at the surface level and that happens in all all regards of life. Um, but I just even think of times that I've said like, I'm tired or I'm okay. But what in response to that, how are you doing? But Mm -hmm. there isn't necessarily a safe and open space to dive into that. So just, Mm -hmm. I think that, um, knowing that there needs to be more intentional relationship to and space to to dive into that. Yeah. Now I'm glad you brought that up, and I want to talk about what we 
things that we can do, ways that we can think about um, the, the struggle um, with anxiety and the things that we're talking about here to be a culture as a church where we're not mm-hmm. making assumptions mm-hmm. um, or prejudging uh, ourselves or others in a way that we can pursue transparency and, mm-hmm. and, and genuinely helping and seeking to understand, even if it yeah. maybe goes against our, our strong conviction about maybe a particular mental health thing or even something that we would define as sin, um, mm-hmm. which is going to have shades of that and of brokenness yeah. and that for sure. Um, so we'll, we'll come back to that. I, yeah. I, I do want to ask you, Madeline, how, how has your relationship with the Lord affected your experience of anxiety? Like, how has the yeah. Lord spoken into that? And how have you been ministered to, um, you know, I, I'd, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your experience of fighting for faith as yeah. you battle with anxiety. Yeah, I, it was interesting. So I was reflecting on uh, when I was looking at these questions, uh, what like scripture has been helpful to me. And at first I kind of was like, I don't, there's so much that can be helpful but right away like with just in a moment i think the spirit just placed on me the two verses that i didn't even think of right away but they kind of sum up some of the things that has been so important about my relationship with god through this and one is a kind of classic one in any suffering situation um which is out of second corinthians 12 where paul said Um, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, speaking of his thorn. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ will rest upon me. And then earlier in 2 Corinthians 3, he was talking about um, the spirit and said, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. And I think where it was interesting that those just popped into my mind, because then I kind of had to draw the dots between them and think like, what is it? What's even going on there? Um, And I think that in my anxiety, I'm constantly being faced with evaluations of people and situations and myself that are not true. Um, There's kind of a running dialogue in my head that's always like having to be confronted anxiety says things like you can't or you should creating law almost where there is none um and i'm regularly struggling to release to god my desire to have his omniscience and his omnipotence things that only belong to him um but i was just reflecting on how within those verses i'm being reminded that god in his in the mystery of his will determined that we would be to borrow from a song sinners saved stumbling saint some stumbling saints um there's something even more beautiful than just simply being perfected at the time of our conversion and Mm -hmm. in the beauty and mystery of the gospel he has designed our lives to so that we would look forward eagerly to the time that he would perfect us. And there's definitely a lot of times in my fight with anxiety 
that I just really want that now. Mm -hmm. I really want to be just delivered. But something about his plan, he promises um, that our weaknesses and suffering are an even better plan to serve those around us and to serve him. And I think that's, that's kind of what spoke to me out of those verses. And just, yeah, his um, constantly needing to remember that I need to rely on him, but also being settled in my imperfection now as a part of his plan. That That is so good. And, uh, you know, Second Corinthians just in general is a great book to go to mm -hmm. uh, no matter what um, you're struggling through if, as you're mm -hmm. looking for, for comfort and hope and being reminded of our weakness and uh, the hope that is uh, set before us. And um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's there's seasons where it's more difficult to believe those mm -hmm. those promises. And like you said, you just want you want heaven today. You want the yeah. perfection today or like when you talked about meeting with I think it was with a therapist, um, like isn't your job to make this go easier yeah. or just go away. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's uh, in, in our relationship with the Lord, learning what it means to delight in him to uh trust him in in the midst of this so thank you thank you for sharing that in light of in light of that or as you've thought about um how to help mm -hmm. others uh maybe helping in particular brothers and sisters in christ like in the church or uh anyone who is feeling maybe defeated mm -hmm. frozen alone um despairing in their anxiety, what would you say to, to someone like that? Yeah, I, I think the go-to line is, you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think I would instead say, you need help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and don't be afraid to be confronted with your insufficiency um, and to reach out and to share with trusted fellow believers or family members. And just even recognizing, saying, whether it's someone in your small group or a friend or discipleship partner, that this is too big for me and I don't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. Because that's a step in the right direction there. If you can't, if you don't feel that you're able to find the next step of help, whether that's mental health professional, whether that's medication, um, things like that someone else will be able to come alongside you and help you with that as well. I was struck as you said that, that this is too big for me. Cause I, I was thinking in part, like, what would you say to someone who's struggling with anxiety? Um, and you, you in part gave the response of the person who's struggling with anxiety, like the, 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 mm -hmm. the need, the recognition, but isn't that even true for someone who's here to help? Yeah. Like, again, to go back to right. your therapist, like, I can't fix this for you. And this is this is something this is an opportunity for the grace of the Lord, but also um, maybe a, uh, to think of the response more multifaceted. There, there's mm -hmm. not going to be a silver bullet in this regard. Yeah. So so many of us, maybe we, we have a loved one, uh, a close friend who really struggles with anxiety and we maybe wrongly think if they can just maybe be more like me or I can fix this if I can just get them to go to the gym or eat healthy or mm -hmm. read these scriptures, believe these scriptures. But mm -hmm. that's 
uh, anxiety is, is bigger, <laughs> then yeah. it's going to, you know, it won't be, it's not a, a problem to be fixed or that's not the way we should be thinking about it. Yeah. And I think that uh, definitely another advice to myself all the time, as well as to other people, especially the more stuck you feel, the less you should withdraw <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the harder that's going to be. But definitely something that's been extremely helpful for me, particularly even as kind of discovered a more significant impacts of social anxiety, particularly surrounding the church, like 2020 and being thrown into a different context, even just coming back to the church that I grew up in, but having to um, develop my own community within it has been a a challenge. And so I think that just there's definitely days where it's the temptation is it's easier to not go or I don't feel like it or Mm. that sounds really hard (laughs) to interact with people I don't know or to talk through a mask or whatever it was and Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. but I think just that's something that I think is continued to be really important and that's important as we know for Christians in general Mm -hmm. but just especially the more that you feel like you don't want you it would be easier or better to not go. It's usually better that you're there. Cause mm. I, and something that I think I've found myself uh, calling upon is just the reminder that one, just the discipline of it too, hmm. but also recalling how much God has sustained me when I do mm-hmm. um, step into situations that are uncomfortable. Um, mm. So withdrawal is, very tempting for someone with mental health challenges of any kind, mm-hmm. but especially anxiety. But I think that it's even more important to to be to just surround yourself with people and continue to talk with people. I think honestly, that's half the, the thing that I learned from going to a secular counselor was just the power of talking, that sharing, having a safe place to share what I think and how my brain is working when is been extremely important in discovering untruths like things that were perfectly happy and rooted in my brain and that had a very happy little home there (laughs) say Mm. them out loud to Mm. someone and you're like whoa that's not real Mm. um and so using other people as a sounding board is really important too you, regardless of where you're at right like down the down the road of recovery and counseling and therapy and whatever or just starting out because sometimes even just sharing those thoughts is what helps you discover that help is even needed which was definitely true for me you gave an example of something you would you could say to someone who's struggling with anxiety which is you're not alone uh, because of the the, w- the reason why something so simple can be so helpful to express that and then to live that out that you know proof that they're not alone mm-hmm. is because of how isolating and how something like anxiety can cause us to withdraw can you think of an example of maybe something that has been said to you or a perspective that is and, and it's fine if we've already alluded to it or spoken to it but is unhelpful an unhelpful mm. response. Somebody, somebody shares with you, you know, I'm struggling with anxiety. Um, what would be an 
maybe a common unhelpful response that, to that. Like somebody yeah. thinks they're being helpful, but that's actually not. Yeah. Um, I put my finger on this recently, right before the panel. So that was kind of well-timed. Um, but the response of, um, can f- this response can feel encouraging, but it actually is received as um, dismissive where you're sharing, I struggle with blah, 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 social anxiety, anxiety could be depression, whatever. Um, And someone's Mm. saying, but you look, you're so connected. You're so Mm. friendly. You seem outgoing. You talk, you speak so well. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Like mm -hmm. I've spoken publicly in a Bible study context. I'm teaching and things like that. And so, and then it's, funny or not it's not really funny but just the irony of people then being like what do you mean you struggle with that (laughs) but that's why i was kind of saying that appearance doesn't really matter because Mm -hmm. they don't know what was going on in my head the four hours before that teaching engagement or maybe afterwards or things like that just the or or the the sweating that was happening on my body, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. Um, the the difficulty breathing and things like that that just kind of show up un, unasked for, right? Um, yeah. And so when someone responds like that, the, one of the reasons why that can be an unhelpful <laughs> response is because it maybe makes you feel more isolated in your own struggle. Yeah. Well, and it's dismissive of, I guess, kind of saying like. But you don't look like you have a problem. Um, so I guess... I, as if I, all that matters I, is the external. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As Well, that's great, but it doesn't fix how I feel. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you think so, but it's a very small comfort because most of, I think, what the anxious person is struggling with is how they think them, them, themselves mm. or how they think people perceive them. And even if you're telling them, that's not how people see you doesn't really make much dent Mm -hmm. um yeah what are some good ways to pray for in the midst of this what have you learned about good ways Mm -hmm. to pray in the in, in this experience i think um prayer for um Clarity and the intervention of the Holy Spirit has been really vital for me. Just breaking down the the untruths that kind of swirl around an anxious mind. Um, And even for me, something that's been more kind of recently stepped into is discerning who's speaking, which might sound weird, but there's when I have, when I'm a Christian and I have an understanding that conscience and the Holy Spirit are at play in your mind. And there's also temptation and there's also an enemy. Sometimes for me, for quite a while, I was like, how am I supposed to know if it's myself speaking? And if it's myself speaking, how can that be fixed? But then it can get like the enemy is crafty and he likes to disguise himself. And so definitely clarity and um, just even praying for a desire to be in God's word, to know his truth. Um prayer for trust i mean i think is standard but Mm, important (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um 
and just a desire to grow in intimacy with Christ through the process um, and through the struggle, um, as opposed to primarily praying to not have the struggle anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That he would show me how he desires to sit with me in that moment or in this day or whatever it is Mm. um, has been really, really a regular, (laughs) regular prayer. Yeah. Not that it's, you know, not that it's bad or a sin to pray that the Lord would take away the anxious feelings or thoughts. Um, but definitely ask the Lord for healing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that was one of the the things I was kind of considering as we thought about Mark two, one through 12 Mm. with the paralytic Mm -hmm. where the greater, the greater miracle was that he knew forgiveness that Mm -hmm. day because that, that solved his eternal problem but certainly it was really cool that he was able to pick up his mat so, and walk yeah. out of there i mean <laughs> nice that is consolation yeah. <laughs> right so but i mean you know i think that whether we know healing or um you know the the result that we maybe want at that moment of our of our struggle the the more the, the more foundational thing is that we would know christ with us in that yeah. And uh, so that's a, that's a great way to, to pray for you and pray yeah. for others, pray for our church um, in anxious times. Mm-hmm. And as we uh, also know, um, many of us struggle with the experience of anxiety in various ways and mm-hmm. at various degrees and in seasons of life. Anything you want to say, just a couple more, maybe quick questions, Madeline, but about how you see the church as a place for anxious people mm-hmm. like in your experience you you were kind of alluding to i don't know exactly were you saying that even gathering you know sometimes one of the experiences of anxiety is, is social anxiety and not wanting to to gather with other people so you're talking about that yeah so for me it's not necessarily been well the desire the um, not wanting to be there has more been there's a barrier of fear Mm -hmm. of many Mm. typically for me it's like what ifs like a whole slew of who's going to be there especially when we were in cohorts and there was a limited number of people maybe i didn't know those people as well what are we going to talk about who am i going to sit by how long am i going to stay and just on and 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 on um, and then also the kind of self-entrapment of like, they're all connected and I'm not and kind of buying into that. Um, so definitely in terms of the church being a place for anxious people, I think the um, some of those things we are definitely already doing, like creating oftentimes, this isn't going to be broadly like exclusive or um, applicable to every person, but I think a lot of people with anxiety, especially if it's social anxiety, would benefit from smaller contexts. So discipleship relationships, mm-hmm. um, the uh, small groups that people are, are a part of, Bible studies, things like that, um, because there's that's a better venue for intimacy and depth and vulnerability um, than a Sunday morning gathering, for yeah. example. Um, and I think to say again, something I said on the panel, a 
just the, I think part of what the church can also be doing is just growing in awareness, which is what we're doing here anyways. Um, so something I said on the panel is that I would encourage people to recognize that an anxious person is someone who's trapped upstairs in terms of like when compared to a non-anxious person, they're regularly or perhaps constantly confronted with fearful and negative, um, condemning and accusatory thought patterns. Um, and that battle is in their mind and impacts their body and their spirituality, their relationships and their ability to like participate in the life God has for them in the body of the church, in service, in evangelism. Um, so it impacts all of life. And they may not even be aware that that is something that's abnormal because the thoughts have potentially always been there or showed up in disguise. Um, so they may not be able to even discern how what they think about people and God and themselves is untrue. And that's, I think, where the church comes in is that we are designed to be a body of believers that speak truth to one another. We remind you, and this is a call for every Christian, regardless yeah. of whether they deal with anxiety or not. But we are so clearly called to speak that truth to one another, to remind ourselves of who we are, who we are in Christ, who God is and how he loves and cares for us. And I think that's so important. And, and then perpetuate that space of vulnerability um, and care for one another um, in hearing out what they're struggling with, but also encourage so there's a, a a balance to be struck because you want to be careful not to dismiss the lived reality that they're facing mm -hmm. even if it seems completely preposterous to you like why would you be afraid of that mm -hmm. we all love you why are you afraid to come to church on sunday mm -hmm. for example mm -hmm. um but at the same time i would also encourage people to to seek to confront untruth in the gentleness of christ um just that that truth and then living that out in love is so much of what we need to to confront that struggle. Hmm. That is so good. I'm so I'm so glad you shared that with us, Madeline. Um, I, I would I would kind of like to just end it there because <laughs> <laughs> may we as a church be what you just mm. explained. But uh, just in terms of practicalities. Yeah. Uh, I did want to, I thought it would be helpful for people to hear some, any resources that you have found helpful. So you, you referred to, you know, uh, getting therapy mm -hmm. and a biblical counselor, any, you know, so any resources in that regard or books or articles or any, any resources yeah. that could be helpful for people? Um, I think, um, Oh uh, my gosh. In terms of like, book material, the um, CCEF would be, which is the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation. Mm -hmm. so that, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, has produced or, or published a number of books. And so that is their website has quite a few good options on there. Mm -hmm. um, some of those are more devotional and some of them are just what you read through. Mm -hmm. um, and then... In terms of if you're looking to seek or not even sure where to start in terms of professional help, but interested in that, even starting with your um, medical provider is mm -hmm. okay because mm -hmm. 
your insurance may cover it. Mm -hmm. That helps. Yeah. (laughs) Also, if finances are an issue, we have a benevolence fund that is designed for that. Come talk to Um, Mark Von Wald or one of the pastors or elders. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Again, if you don't know where to start, talking to a physician, talking to an elder, Mm -hmm. talking to Mike DeBoer (laughs) (laughs) um, are all good options um, uh, because those are people that are connected to that world and know a little bit more of maybe where to help start. But um, there's also just know that within mental health professionals, there's a wide variety because, and it's kind of like dating. Like if you don't like the first one, you have no obligation to stay. That's they a good do reminder. not want to be part of a, re- a therapy relationship if they're not going to be helpful to you. Good. You're not going to hurt their feelings. Um, so there's biblical counseling, there's psychology, there's, um, I, the person I saw is actually a clinical social worker. Hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. But um, there's lots of different credentials and each kind of one comes with a different kind of take on the whole issue. So there's lots of different ways to get connected. Some people you'll hear on every other podcast advertising for better help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like if you want the convenience of online, I guess mm-hmm. there's options through that. But just consider, um, yeah, and then just stay connected with people, um, with other Christians, even throughout that because you're, your counselor, no matter how excellent they are, can only do so much to help you. Um, it's because not they're like, not there every day of the week. <laughs> that's right. And they're not the silver bullet either. Yeah. And so much yeah. of this is why why I feel comfortable as a pastor recommending people talk to their, to their doctor yeah. <laughs> or uh, seeking some sort of therapy, even though the, those aren't my areas of expertise, mm-hmm. is because of what you spoke to earlier. We're, we're complex, yeah. you know, beings. Um, and, you know, the, the important thing is that we're, we're learning to make that inner dialogue that can be debilitating based because of fear and all sorts of things, mm-hmm. our life experience, things we've gone through, trauma, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to to talk about it. Yeah. And it's not that uh, a therapist or a social worker is going to be able to fix it. But it's someone to, to talk to and somebody who's maybe particularly trained and experienced in yeah. being a sounding board and someone who can help. Yeah. So we want we don't want to just say that only a certain kind of person or a certain kind of counselor can help in these in these yeah. situations. It's good to to uh, to think have be open minded in some of these things. Yeah. So much more we could talk about on this topic. It's a big topic, which was why I was so glad that the women devoted a couple of nights to addressing Mm -hmm. this topic and maybe we'll have the chance to address this more on this podcast but madeline this has been fantastic thank you so much for for sharing your experience and the things that the lord has taught you in the midst of this and we'll certainly be praying for you and for uh the many of us who who are fighting for faith in the midst of anxiety so thank you thank you